0: You're listening to a Cripple and Co-Production.
1: This episode of Disability After Dark has been brought to you by Clonawilly.com. Clonawilly and ClonaPussy are do-it-yourself molding kits that allow anyone to make an exact replica of any penis or vulva into a sex toy at home. your own Clone-A-Willie or Clone-A-Pussy, how to use the kit. They're so, so willing to go on this journey of cloning a willie or cloning a pussy with you. And they're super nice and super responsive to any concerns. So if you want to pick up your own Clone-A-Willie or Clone-A-Pussy kit right now, head over to clonawilly.com and use promo code DARKPOD. That's D-A-R-K-P-O-D at checkout right now. And remember... This is a deal that cannot be cloned. This episode of Disability After Dark has been brought to you by Come As You Are. Come As You Are is Canada's only worker-owned co-op sex shop. Trans-owned and operated, Come As You Are carefully reviews and curates their selection of sex toys, books, and DVDs. Now you can get 15% off your next purchase at comeasuar.com using coupon code AFTERDARK. We call it slicking the bean, choking the chicken, <laughs> giving yourself a hand, auditioning finger puppets. There's a million and one names for the old five finger shuffle and yet hundreds of millions of people are unable to sauce the taco due to disability, aging, or illness. That's where we come in, if you'll pardon the phrase. At Bumpin', we've created the world's first Accessible sex toy so people with limited mobility, hand issues, and disabilities can celebrate Palm Sunday just like everyone else. If you agree that everyone deserves sexual pleasure, help us spread the self love and fund an orgasm for those in need. Give the gift of the big O at getbumpin.com. That's G E T B U M P N.com.
0: Hey, Andrew,
1: how are you? Hey, Kristen. I'm okay. But if I'm really honest, I haven't been doing super great lately. I'm kind of super really really down.
0: Oh, no, I'm sorry to hear that.
1: Well, you you and I talk all the time. We talk every day. And you know, I've been thinking about going to therapy, but I've been to Mm -hmm. therapists before and I'm afraid that a therapist wouldn't understand all my disability stuff. And you know how much I love talking about disability, right?
0: Yeah, I hear you have like a whole podcast about
1: it. Right? I mean, I talk about it all the time everywhere, and I'm just worried that I don't want to explain to a therapist, like, what is ableism? What is disability? Like, I don't want to do that before we get into my stuff, you know?
0: Yeah, that's fair. You shouldn't have to, like, fully educate a therapist before starting a therapeutic process, and I think that's really hard because, honestly, you deserve support from someone who gets it.
1: You get it. You're my best friend. You get it. What do you think I should do?
0: I mean, I think you should find a disability-informed support person to help you work through this. If anyone listening to this is interested, I'm actually offering disability-informed support for $40 per session.
1: Whoa, whoa, $40 a session? That's super cheap. The last time I checked, one session was like over a hundred bucks, but we can still talk about disability stuff, right?
0: Oh, absolutely. Like everything from like physical changes in your body to Ableism and exploring internalized ableism, grief that comes with disability, chronic pain, all that good terrible stuff that so many of us live experience. It's so base. fun,
1: isn't it? It's, it's so it's great. It's the best. Yes. And I I know you also do, you also offer support for non-disabled people too, right?
0: Yeah, I do support for able-bodied and non-disabled people as well because, really, I mean everyone gets sick or experiences illness or vulnerability at some time in their life and well that's a different experience than living with chronic disability i think it's all very related and if you're going through any sort of life change where you're having grief related to bodily change or body difference i'm more than happy to support you with that as well i think everybody deserves and needs affordable support
1: i think that it's such a great thing you're offering and i Want to make sure that all the lovely listeners of Disability After Dark can reach you. How do they do that?
0: Okay, well, right now they can reach me by email. It's Kristen, K-R-I-S-T-E-N, dot Williams, W-I-L-L-I-A-M-S, one zero at com, And you can email me there to ask me questions or uh, let me know if you'd like more information or you can go straight to booking a support session with me.
1: Awesome. Well, I, I can't... I can't speak any more highly of this amazing thing. I'm so excited that there's finally disability-centered support for stuff like ableism and for stuff like internalized ableism and all the stuff that we go through that we never get to talk about. And thank you so much for offering it and for putting yourself out there, Kristen.
0: Aw, thanks, Andrew. I hope you feel better soon.
1: Me too. Thanks. Bye. Bye. Content warning. The language, content, and discussion found within this episode of Disability After Dark will be explicit. Listener discretion advised.
2: This is a podcast that looks at disability stories. It's like sitting down with a really close friend to have a real conversation about disability,
0: sexuality, and everything else about the disability experience that we don't talk about. The things about being disabled we keep in the dark here is your
2: deliciously disabled host disability awareness consultant andrew
1: gerza hello hello friends welcome to the show friends and thank you so much for clicking on this brand new episode of disability after dark the podcast shining a bright light on disability stories i am your delectable disabled daddy andrew gerza let's get comfy cozy and crippled and get this show started shall we I just want to give a quick shout out to the people that have signed up for my new series, This Shit Is Real, where we talk about gastro stuff, disability, poo, and all that stuff. I've dubbed the show the show where we learn how poo affects you. This shit is real. I'm so excited about it. People have been um, signing up to be a part of that show. It comes out every Thursday, and we talk about poo and disability, and it's one of my favorite series that I've ever done in addition to the main shows that we do every Saturday, but I love being able to put different content like this up and offer different kinds of shows where we talk about all these different things and I don't have to start a whole new podcast for it, don't have to start a whole new show for it, but I get to explore different facets of the disability experience through series like this, so I would love to have you come on the show and tell me how poo affects you, and be a part of This Shit Is Real. So if you want to be a part of that, come on the sh- come on, the email and email us at disabilityafterdarkpod at gmail.com, and use the subject line, This Shit Is Real, and let us know how poo affects you. Just a reminder, if you want to support the show, you can of course do so by heading over to our Patreon, you can go to Patreon dot com slash disability after dark and pledge as little as $1 a month up to $5 a month or more if that works for your budget or a yearly amount if you're able to and you can do that to support the show. I would love your support. It means a lot to me as a disabled creator. So if you're able to do that, great, but if you're not, that's okay too. You can also leave us a five-star review wherever you get your podcast Let people know why the show is so important to you and um, it would mean a lot to me. So if you're able to, Please do that. Thank you so much, but now let's get to the show. On the show today, we talk about teenagehood and Tourette's Syndrome. And we talk with Max Charney, who is a teenager living with Tourette's, and he shares with us his experience living with Tourette's and what it is like to have Tourette's, and his experiences with doctors, his experiences with other kids who don't understand the the lived experience of Tourette's who say mean things and how he handles all that, we really just dive into what it's like being a young person with Tourette's. And I really enjoyed sitting down with him and having him share his story of not only living with Tourette's, but also being a trans person with a disability. It was really great to chat with him and hear his experiences. And I've learned so much about Tourette's. He's also in a, the youth ambassador for the for the American Tourette's... Wait, let me find out what it actually is. Hang on. I found it. Max is a youth ambassador for the Tourette's Association of America, and I think that's really cool. And so we talk about that a little bit as well, and really just, just, again, we just dive into teenagehood with Tourette's, and I thought it was a really fun, interesting opportunity to speak with somebody and bring again, bring a youth voice to discussions of the lived experience of disability, and I was really excited to do that. At one point during our conversation, Max talks about how a doctor was rather dismissive of him and didn't really help him very much, but upon reflection with his mom, he talked to his mom afterwards, and he let me know that while it may have felt that way, the doctor was actually very supportive of him uh, and his family, Behind the scenes. And so I wanted to just make sure when you hear Max talk about that dismissive doctor, actually, he was very, very supportive. And I want to make sure that he is given the right light in this podcast. He was very, very supportive of Max's diagnosis of Tourette's and all those things and really helped the family throughout. So just wanted to put that little disclaimer there. And I'm again, I'm really excited for you to hear this latest episode of Disability After Dark, where we explore. Tourette's and Teenagehood, right now on Disability After Dark with my new friend, Max Charney. Enjoy, friends. Max Charney, hello. Hello. Hi, so nice to have you on Disability After Dark. You are such a patient guest. We've rescheduled this a bunch of times now, and thank you so much for being here today. And you're one, you are so much, so much, so much younger than me. To, uh, my birthday is in three days and so when you said you were you're in high school
2: right yeah junior currently
1: yeah so when you said you were in high school I was like oh my goodness that for me was like 20 years ago so I feel like an old old person but um <laughs> I always love talking to young disabled folks and I'm excited that you wanted to be on the show so thank you for being here
2: and thank you for having me this is a very cool thing that I've been very excited for I I can't
1: wait to get into some fun stuff uh but first off can you just tell us a little bit about yourself and who you are and what you do
2: okay cool so uh, my name is max technically maximus but i just go by max because just for the sake of it um i'm from southern california specifically like half an hour from disneyland because i can say that and people know where that is um i've been doing marching band for a few years specifically tuba slash sousaphone so the thing with the bell over your head um cool been doing that for a few years Uh, I started doing theater currently loving that um a lot of the my free time is spent doing advocacy work I'm a youth ambassador for the Tourette Association of America Uh, I started doing that this last February so this is still very new for me Um, oh wow cool because Uh of that I Thank you, but because of that, I've been able to do a lot of community presentations. Um, uh, currently, my next one is I have uh, two community presentations with my high school's medical academy class, the junior class. Um, the teacher specifically wanted to do this because she feels that um, talking about stigmatized disorders with the you know healthcare workers of tomorrow is highly important to them.
1: That's really great. That's so awesome. And I, I I love that. Such a because when I, when I was seventeen, like I do advocacy now. But when I was 17, my biggest concern was, does the boy in my derma class like me? And why, how do I get the boy to like me? So the fact that you're like into <laughs> advocacy at such a young age is really cool and really important. And I think that like the the disabled youth are like the disabled youth of tomorrow. And so I think I think just the, the fact that you want to do this and are so passionate about it is really cool. Um, can you share with us, the audience, what oh yeah, I wanted to ask you before we get into the, the big questions. Are you I was born in Southern California. Are you in
2: around in and around Laguna? Uh close enough, uh, from your Belinda specifically.
1: Nice. Cause I I was born in Orange County back in the day. So whenever anyone says they're from SoCal, I'm like, were oh, you close to where I was born? <laughs> <laughs> so that's awesome. Um, but Enough about how cool I think I am. Let's get on to how cool you are. Can you um, can you tell us a little bit about your disabilities and what they are and how they impact your day to day?
2: So I was diagnosed with Tourette syndrome uh, back in December, 2020. Um, Tourette syndrome is a neurological, specifically a neurodevelopmental disability, which causes uncontrollable movements and noises called tics, um, T-I-C-S, not T-I-C-K-S. I always make the difference because some people ask like, oh, is it like the bug? No, it's not. Um, Then I was currently in the process of trying to get an EDS or Ehlers-Danlos syndrome diagnosis, specifically for my hypermobility and dislocations uh, that happen quite frequently. Um, And then I'm currently looking towards an autism diagnosis, um, mostly just because I've taken three different tests given by counselors, medical professionals, psychologists, and all of them come back with yes, this, this person very much, very much most likely does have, it does in fact have autism, but we just haven't gone, been able to go through the second part of actually getting a diagnosis, specifically for the reasoning of, I already have accommodations because of my Tourette syndrome and I don't really see the need to get a diagnosis at this point in time. I've already figured out ways around it. I am very much aware of how I act socially and how that changes my life. So I don't really see what a diagnosis, what, what a name on a sheet of paper would change about my life whatsoever currently
1: yeah do you think a diagnosis would help you later down the line get extra
2: support if you needed it i think possibly yes but there's a lot of different things on, in my docket that we're trying to look towards um, i did not mention this to the audience yet but i'm a transgender man i transitioned in roughly end of middle school um, and currently, the next things on my docket are uh, my name is getting legally changed, as well as my gender is being legally changed. And that will be my court date is on June, I want to say 8th. Yeah, June 8th, specifically. Um, so that's the next big thing we have going on. Um, and then after that, um, I'm having top surgery, specifically Keyhole, in July, July 5th.
1: Wow, you have a lot. Of, <laughs> <that's> a lot <laughs> of stuff going on. Really, in really quick succession, we're recording this in May of 2022, and like it'll probably come out. Now that you said the dates of all the things, that will probably come out in June. Realistically, now that I know, <laughs> now, that, now that I know more of the things, we're probably coming out in June. Um, so like that's a whole lot of stuff going on for you right now. Um, is all of that like
2: overwhelming for you? Or are you like super overwhelmed with all the stuff you have going on? It's what I wanted since forever. Um, I kind of figured out what name I wanted to be called when I was six or seven. Uh, That's when I started figuring out like, hey, this is my name. I want to go by this. Granted, did not happen socially in a physical form. It happened online. Um, But I started being figuring that type of stuff out at a young age. So this uh, process feels more like more natural, more like this. This is just a thing that was supposed to happen eventually. That's cool.
1: I mean. And I think you know because so many people who, who are struggling, who are struggling with identity stuff, and who um, don't have the support system it seems like you have to to do what you're doing. I think it's really, I think you are kind of a role model for young people who are who are thinking about transitioning, who are thinking about doing all this stuff. They're like, well, yeah, I can do it too. So I think that's really awesome, and I think that's really. Um, I think it's really it's really cool and important that you're that you're pushing for all this stuff at such a young age.
2: Thank you. I really do try and be a role model for those because the way I view it is the only reason that I figured out that I was trans at such a young age was because on TV specifically, we saw uh, me and my mother saw a um, advertisement on TLC for I Am Jazz and that just came out.
1: Oh wow! So that like and- for
2: that little bulb of oh my god I could do that
1: (laughs) (laughs) that's really that's super awesome um how speaking of your family because I know that when you when you sent in the form um your mom helped you send it in Um, yeah and my relationship with my mom around my disabilities is very strong and she's a big supporter of mine what's your relationship like with your mom
2: in regards to your disabilities we have a very, very well connection about it, uh, specifically because she struggles with rheumatoid arthritis as well as suspected Ehlers-Danlos syndrome. So we have a lot of the similar chronic illnesses and we'll make jokes about being like, oh, haha, we're taking the same med, <laughs> you know? <laughs> That's
1: cool though. You have a bond, like, you know, my mom is getting a bit older and she's, she's dealing with some arthritis in her hand and stuff. And so, you know, we have a similar kind of sense of humor of like, oh yeah you maybe you'll need a wheelchair soon like don't worry about it we got a whole bunch here because I had a bunch when I was a kid so I think the bond around that having a parent that kind of understands is really important
2: oh definitely it for sure is it has helped a lot of ways especially it has helped uh, me just feeling more comfortable in my own skin you know yeah yeah totally one of the things that I
1: remember that you put in the form that I want to chat with you about because I think it's important one of the things when I was, you wanted to talk about managing your disability in a public high school, and I remember the absolute, like, horribleness for me as a disabled teenager, trying to be cool and trying to, like, hide my disability and do all the, like, do all the things to be a cool disabled kid and not have people make fun of me. Tell me a little bit about what the experience of managing your disability in public in a, in a high school has been like for you.
2: So disability-wise, it gets very frustrating with how people treat me. You know, um, I do joke about the like the circle of, of of issues. You know, first we have the first layer of what they see, or they see me ticking, or they see me moving uncontrollably, and they think, "Well, that's pretty weird." Um, if you know, if you, if people bully me on a personal level, maybe it'll be the fact that they knew me in middle school before I transitioned. Um, if they knew me on a different personal level, maybe it's the fact that I'm gay and that they knew that so it's the fact of there's a there's a quite a few little factors that they like to tease about um but you know it's the idea of I have the I just have always had the mindset of no matter what someone says is never going to let me to to affect me physically so why would I let them affect me
1: yeah so you've Um, really kind of been on the like you've just been like, I'm not going to let you this bother me and I'm going to go like,
2: yeah. Um, the only downside to that is, um, part of Tourette's syndrome is it is, uh, a little bit of an impulse disorder, which comes along with anger management problems, being very impulsive. And if I do end up getting bullied, granted, I will check and make sure, like, there's not that many people like there, like worst case scenario. If I get into a fight, there's not that many people like it'd be fine. Or there's a, there's a person, there's an adult nearby. Um, but other than that, I will usually make some pretty crude joke or um, my favorite one is one guy um, called me queer in the lunch line and then yelled at me in front of his friends asking if I had a boyfriend. Okay. And I turned around and I said, and, and, I, and I was saying, like, why are you interested? Are you looking for a spot? And I was just, I was just <laughs> fucking with him the entire And because it's an enclosed lunch line. So I was just pretend flirting with him the entire lunch line the entire way through and by the end of it I shouted like bye babe have a good lunch and everyone heard it and he was mortified (laughs) I mean sometimes
1: you know you gotta you gotta give it right back to them and show them how silly what they're doing is and like just you know and and do you do you find like do you have a lot of experiences like that or do you find like that
2: is, that's not really common. I wouldn't say that. Okay. So the regular harassment as in like a group of a specific group harassing me doesn't happen commonly. Um, it has happened in the past and I can get into that. Um, but currently I've kind of, because of the way I joke about it, um, people realize like, oh, there's no positive reaction and after one or two tries kind of stop.
1: Yeah. So you've really used kind of like, and I've done that too. I've used humor And I'll call myself a queer cripple and I'll use humor to like deflect and be like, well, you can't hurt me if I already make the joke or if I already like if I come out with all the sass and do all that before you do, I'm good to go. Is that kind of how you do you use humor to like protect yourself from all that stuff?
2: The way I view it is bullies are looking for a reaction. If you give them a reaction, that's not what they want. They're going to be they. They usually don't retaliate. They usually will stop. Because it's not what they're looking for.
1: What would you say to, to high school bullies out there who wanna who who like who don't understand your experience with disability? What would you, if you could say anything to them right now, what would you say?
2: You never know what someone is struggling with if you make fun of someone for flapping their hands in public you don't realize that they're having an internal problem or you make fun of someone who's asking you to repeat a question and you don't realize that they can't actually hear you and it's just the fact of you have no idea what any person is struggling with at any given point in time so to give everyone these exact same high standards will never fix anything yeah
1: totally and on the flip side of that what would you say to a young queer kid with disabilities going through high school whether they have Tourette's whether they have like other disabilities what would you say to them right now if they're looking for somebody who just some words of encouragement
2: just keep your head up I know there's some times where it really sucks and there's sometimes where you just kind of don't want to go to school because of it but finding a group of friends adults counselors teachers anyone who would listen to you respect you and give that same respect that you have back is worth your time and it will make that terrible experience 10 times better because in hindsight that group will laugh with you about how stupid that was
1: yeah yeah exactly and I think you know just being able being hearing those words from you I think a lot of young and I know some young people listen to my show (laughs) and some teens listen to the show which again I feel so old saying that but I know (laughs) the young people listen to the show and I know what you said will definitely resonate with them. I want to jump into kind of your, your experience with Tourette's a little bit more. Um, How, how does that diagnosis work? Like, how does, what I mean is, like, were you diagnosed with that or did, like, how does that process work?
2: So the diagnosis criteria specifically, because there is such a high uh, rate of having co-occurring conditions is just the types of ticks. So you need to have, so the person needs to have um, both motor ticks and vocal ticks for over a year. Um, preferably in the U S the person has to be under the age of 18 when it starts. Um, and that that's basically the, the, the entirety of the diagnosis, having two vocal at minimum of two vocal and one motor tick, having it for more than a year and then just being under the age. And it's specifically because the, um, co-occurring conditions rates are so high. So uh, roughly six, uh, 86% of people with Tourette's syndrome have some other underlying disorder, whether it be autism, ADHD, OCD, anxiety, depression, anything like that. Um, the rate is so high that it's almost impossible to make Tourette's syndrome specifically, um, a diagnosis criteria based off of anything besides the tics. Yeah. Um, and then I, so I started experiencing tics when I was roughly 10 to 11. Um, Roughly for like sixth grade, a sixth grade middle school, give or take. Um, and I've, we learned what this was when I would play piano in my school's band just for fun during lunch because outside is loud. Um, and for some reason, whenever I would put my hands on the keys on my, my left hand, my hand would just jerk up and it would never let me play baseline. And I always thought it was the strangest thing. And I told my director and I'm like, I don't know what's happening. And she goes, maybe it's just an anxiety thing. Maybe go see the school counselor, see if that'll fix it. And I go to a school counselor, the counselor's like, well, I don't know what this is, but it's probably just anxiety ticks. Kids have a lot of anxiety ticks. You'll grow, you'll grow out of it. Um, and that would happen all the time. So I figured, well, I guess I'm just not going to play piano. So I never learned piano. <laughs> um, then I started developing vocal ticks. This one that sounded like a throat clearing or like a little bit, my mom would call it like a messed up hiccup. <laughs> um, and that would happen maybe once every few hours throughout the day, every day. And no one thought anything of it because it wasn't that frequent. And the stigma around Tourette's syndrome is like, oh, it's just the swearing. It's just constant. It's just in your face 24-7. So how yeah. can it be?
1: And the media, the media representations of Tourette's are so, I find them so incorrect and overdrawn. And like, they're used to, you know, the the, the character with Tourette's is like overextending themselves, swearing a lot, being being really abrasive, which I'm sure... Some people with those kind of ticks have those, but I think, you know, I had a friend when I was in grade school who had Tourette's, and they had this similar ticks of what you're you're talking about, like the throat clearing thing, a little bit of some whistling. And, you know, after a while, you just you got used to it, and it wasn't something that like for me as the the other disabled kid in the room, like you just were like, okay, yeah, I'm different too, cool.
2: Yeah, it's specifically um, and then going back to the whole diagnosis criteria was I went to a um, psychologist a few months into the pandemic because about a week or two before we went on lockdown, I started uncontrollably whistling two or three times per the day. No one had any idea what was happening. We didn't even know what the word tick was at that point in time. And my family's like, what the fuck? You know, like this kid like, starts uncontrollably whistling, then a pandemic hits and then it just gets 10 times worse. I start um, developing a tick where I catcall people. Um, I am punching myself uncontrollably to the point where I'm wearing a boxing glove. Um, and it just increases so drastically in a few months. Oh, um, wow. And I see a psychologist and we're like, what the heck is this? Um, and they're like, oh, it's, it, it's probably true. Like, go see, go, go see a neurologist who can get a diagnosis. I go to the neurologist, not even a 30 minute count uh like uh like a talk with a doctor and he's like yeah you have Tourette uh we can do there's there's medication route there's a there's a therapy route and then you could also do nothing if it doesn't severely impact your life that was like almost the entirety took 30 minutes to get a diagnosis from a doctor
1: wow the irony is you know you're you're looking into an EDS diagnosis you were saying earlier and that that could take people I've spoken to have said it's sometimes taken 20 years so yeah the the dichotomy between one taking 30 minutes and one taking like 20 years is so so like just mind-boggling to think how different those diagnosis processes are.
2: It is so strange. And specifically um that that neurologist was no longer my neurologist. We only saw him for about a year. Um but the fact that many neurologists are so quick to medicate so quickly is just so strange to me. It's the fact of like again it was a very quick um appointment and he already was like yeah I'm just gonna write this prescription it's gonna be like an anti-anxiety it'll help this this that it'll probably help your tics we'll see what happens you know if it doesn't come back in three months
1: wow wow like it's so for me hearing that and that being your diagnosis session is so dismissive of like the big thing that you as a person in your family were going through trying to help you and trying to support you and like for him to just be like I'm going to check a couple boxes and I tell you to come back in three months. Like, if I were your mom, I would have pulled the doctor aside and been like, What? Try again. Like, no.
2: (laughs) Yeah. And I think one of the frustrating parts is um, in the pamphlet that he gave us, just explaining stuff, it only explained the medications and it only explained the treatments. There was no support groups. There was no mention of any national groups. There was mention of no local groups, nothing.
1: That's, I mean, that's really. That's really disheartening because like you would think that getting a diagnosis like this and given the stigma we have around Tourette's, um, you know, support, so I would imagine support group is really important. Is that kind of why you wanted to become a youth ambassador for the Tourette's Association of America?
2: Definitely. Um, I found the organization when I was Googling questions, actually, when I got my diagnosis, because my first thing was on the car ride home, I Googled, is there a cure? And granted, I was given with a no, but that no was given by the Tourette.org, which is the main organizational website. And then it led into a group of the questions and it said, Hey, are you a recent diagnosis? And I'm like, "Um, I'm pretty much the closest you're going to get to a recent diagnosis. So I was like, sure. I go through all these little boxes in under 15 minutes, 20 minutes of a car ride. I get, I find a local chapter, a local support group, um, a national advocacy organization, um, different ways to be a part of the organization. There was a 5k marathon for uh, funding. Like there was just so many possibilities. And it's like, dude, this doctor could have at least sent me a link
1: (laughs) yeah or like googled it himself and been like oh look what i found like the fact that he just sent you gave you a pamphlet which was probably written in like the 90s or the 80s or like you know because they don't update those things super often so i can imagine like what he gave you wasn't super um current so like But the fact that within a 15-minute car ride, you found all that stuff. First of all, that's amazing and great for you to know that that's out there.
2: But also, like, medical professionals do better. For sure, yeah. And um, getting back to the whole medical professionals part, um, when I went uh, last uh, end of February slash beginning of March, I went to, I was invited to D.C. uh, for my youth ambassador training. Um, we spoke online with multiple of our state representatives asking for funding, talking about stigma, all that kind of stuff. It was very, very interesting. But that was my very first time meeting more than one person with Tourette syndrome. Wow. And it, the positive... It, yeah, sorry, go ahead. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The positive was uh, as we hung out for two, almost three days straight, at the end of it, we were like, okay, let's leave the hotel. Let's go. We're going to cross the street. We're going to go get some food. Out of the seven people I went with, Four of us were confused why people were staring at us because we got so used to the normalization that we were like, "Oh, wait a minute, we we don't have automatically find public interaction."
1: <laughs> and so, like, I mean, I can imagine you know seeing people stare at you in public. Like, I know people stare, at, and people stare at me in public when I go to my wheelchair and when I when I go just to the store. They stare at me like I'm an alien with three heads. What is that something you like?
2: Are you used to that yet or is that still a new thing you're grappling with? It was rough in the beginning. Um, Specifically, the first thing I had to change in my life was um, during the pandemic, I would walk my dog all the time. I just, that was a very fun thing we did. Um, And I learned that because of how frequent my cat call tick was, if I ever saw a woman that I was walking either behind or nearby, I would immediately cross the street.
1: Yeah, just to to make them feel safe and
2: to like... Yeah. Ensure the tick didn't happen. I never wanted anyone to feel uncomfortable. And especially being outside, Um, ticks can be very much triggered by environment. So there is outside, we're uh, in your Belinda, we're a bird sanctuary. So there are just a bunch of birds making a bunch of noise everywhere. So I was ticking almost constantly. Yeah. And it was the idea of like, okay, I know this tick is going to happen. I'm just going to go out of my way to make sure someone's not terribly uncomfortable about it.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, because the ticks can be so random, how has that affected your, like, your dating life, and trying to date as somebody with Tourette's in high school, who's gay, and who's trans, and, like, how, like, how just tell me all the ins and outs of dating with all those identity pieces.
2: So, with all of them combined, it is, com- it feels impossible, to be completely honest with you. Um, it's the combination of, you know, you look at the fact that, my school is predominantly not the most blue <laughs> um so there's not that many openly gay kids um then you meet into the that what was the some some, some sort of statistic about like only 11 to 13 percent of gay men would even think about dating a transgender person yeah something I about that then you think about there's roughly what 20 gay kids at my school then you narrow that down to two people then you see hey, I wonder if those people are even okay or would even think about dating someone with a disability and they don't already have internalized <laughs> able, and they don't already just blatantly say the R-word in every other sentence that they use.
1: Yeah, yeah. So, like, so your pool of possible daters is now down to, like, 0.02. Yeah. <laughs> and so I can imagine it would be tough. Like, so I know you know, when we're recording that, that show Heartstopper just came out. I haven't seen it, but I know it's like the new cool teen show that's happening right now in the world. And so like, what kind of representations of teenagehood with like of queer teenhood with Tourette's would you want to see, or do you want to see like representation of that on TV? I would be happy with
2: any queer disability representation, <laughs> um, but specifically Tourette, I think, well, well, Tourette is a very, very difficult disability to film specifically in the sense of, you know, if you have a new actor who, let's say they actually have Tourette and they're not uh, pretending for the role. Yeah. Um, if they have Tourette, the first few films are probably going to be very stressful. and going to be ticking a lot. But when you continue filming, if a person is more comfortable, they're not going to be ticking as much. Yeah, yeah. So it would be very inconsistent for most people it would be very inconsistent throughout the film. So that part would be very difficult to film. Um, but then, specifically looking at actors who will—I mean I, I mean, I guess fake disability. How else do I phrase that? <laughs> um, when they
1: when they crib up, when they like yes. pretend to be disabled. I mean, I wasn't even suggesting that. I was saying like, let's not even do that at all. Let's make sure that like um, we hire somebody who actually lives with threats. Like maybe it could be you. Like I, like maybe there should be they maybe they should do a show around you because I think you're a real person living with all these identities. And I'd watch that. I'd
2: watch that. I'd watch a high school drama about all that stuff. And although I think it's interesting, I think it's more of the fact of you'd have to have a movie that would break so many social barriers and so many like, uh, different ways of life that people don't see that it's worrying to think about how many people would actually watch it. And because of how many people would actually watch it, would a director and would a production company actually think it was worth enough money to sink in?
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I think just the way you tell the story, like, could be could be the hook. Like some of the stuff that Netflix is greenlighting right now is not amazing. So, like, <laughs> so like if they can green light crappy stuff, and I'm not saying that you're be crappy, I'm saying if they can <laughs> green light like you know, the Kardashians, right? Why shouldn't they be looking at Bigger and better stories, like the cool trans teen with Tourette's. Like, there's, there. I, I think there's a story
2: there for sure. I think there could be. Um, I do wish there was, you know. But again, it's very strange to look at. Um, just in the sense of how many people would this actively affect versus how many people would consider this more stigmatization because. If we look at, let's say, the person with Tourette is very severe, then are we going to perpetuate the idea that everyone with Tourette is still severe? Yeah. Or if the person's very mild, do we go back to the, you know, what we're seeing with people saying the TikTok trend of, quote unquote, teens faking Tourette? Oh, yeah. I forgot about that bullshit. That's... It's still (laughs) happening. It's so annoying. (laughs) Oh, can we...
1: Okay, I don't go on TikTok because I'm old. And also yeah. because, like, I'm not cool. <laughs> but, like, I just think that's inappropriate. I think seeing kids faking Tourette's on TikTok, it makes me really angry. Because somebody like you who actually goes through the experience and lives through the stigma and has people make fun of them because of dis- of Tourette's and because of their lack of understanding about Tourette's, it's like, it just makes me angry. And, like, yeah.
2: TikTok should be doing a better job to, to ban that shit. And I, I do think that TikTok needs to work on that. But specifically, I don't even think it's the idea of faking. It's more the idea of fake claiming. Um, because to be completely honest with you, I, uh, every single mutual creator that I'm friends with on that app who also has Tourette has also experienced people in groups fake claiming them. There's an entire subreddit specifically on teens that quote unquote fake Tourette syndrome on TikTok when in reality, they don't even fake. Ew, well, that's, oh. I've been put on that subreddit twice before.
1: That's that's even worse. So just so I'm clear, because again, I'm an old person. Um, So this is people that actually have Tourette's, the teens are saying, oh, they must be faking it
2: the vast majority are not faking it. Granted, there's always a few out of the bundle that you'll see who are putting a hoodie over their head and then doing a TikTok dance while pretending to tick. Sure, that's obviously fake if they can't even reveal their face. But, you know, the active people with, you know, half a million followers have been doing this for five, six years.
1: Yeah, yeah. Um, I didn't look up your TikTok because, again, I'm an old person. But <laughs> but um, what kind of content do you want to see on the TikTok about... about- um, to, to fight that stigma and fight that
2: stuff, what kind of stuff do you want to see on there? I enjoy just watching the daily life stuff, you know, I don't, I'm not the biggest fan of watching content that is, you know, videos of just advocacy of defining words or th- those kind of things. It's like, I already know that kind of stuff. I don't find enjoyment in it. Um, but it's the normalization videos that I enjoy, you know, just right. having with your friends at a park or just just doing something that's the, that an average person also posts about.
1: Yeah, yeah. So you're just like, because what well, I'm thinking, like even hearing you talk about this, part of me wants to jump on the TikTok right now and be like, yo, can we not take this stuff? I hate it, stop <laughs> doing it. But maybe I'll do that for you and so that you don't have to do it. Maybe I'll be like, hey, listen, don't do this. It's horrible. Um, but let's go back to dating for a minute. Is there any part of, of your uh Tourette's diagnosis that you would use is like if you were to sell yourself as a potential date would you be like hey my Tourette makes me sexy because is there like any selling point part of Tourette's or am
2: I totally out in left field here um not completely though I think one of the fun jokes that I like making is um I will use the fact that I have Tourette in uh, when we go to Disneyland specifically you know to get the the fun I call it the fun line. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Good.
1: And you should because you are disabled. Actually, oh, yeah, that's what I wanted to ask you. Do you consider Tourette's a disability?
2: Definitely, yes. Um, there's parts of it that not many people talk about. It's called tick attacks. So not every person with, with Tourette experiences this, but many do. And it's basically an intense, almost constant bout of ticks that could happen anywhere from 15 minutes to multiple hours. Oh. Um, my worst one was I was almost basically convulsing to the point where I was struggling to walk, and my father had to take me to the emergency room, and I had to be medically sedated.
1: Wow. Um, that's that's really scary. Um, and you know, again, the popular media depictions of Tourette's don't show that, and they don't show that reality. Um, but what I wanted to ask you around disability was. Um, is disability and identity that, did I, did I ask this already? If I didn't, if I did, well, I'm asking again, is disability and identity that you're a word that you're like more comfortable with now? How, how has it been like coming
2: into that identity? Um, it took me a second to get used to, but I think it takes me a second to get used to all labels. You know, I didn't consider myself, I didn't call myself gay for multiple years. I, I openly came out sure. in like seventh grade, eighth grade but I didn't feel open with that label until maybe last year.
1: Yeah, Oh. Wow. So yeah, so is disability still something you're like,
2: not grappling with per se, but it's still taking a while to feel comfy for you? It took quite a long time, but once I got comfortable with it, it was almost immediate. like Like an instant of like, yeah, I mean, it's not a bad word. So why should I worry about considering it such?
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, it isn't a bad word. It's a pretty cool word. And there's lots of ways you can like, play with it and make it fun um and yeah I think you should use your Tourette's to get in the fun line at Disneyland <laughs> I think you definitely should uh but I want to go back to dating for a second like like okay so if you were because you this so have you have you gone on a lot of dates so far
2: um I do slightly have a little bit of commitment issues so it's mostly one just just meeting at a party and then it's Oh, we hang out for a few hours. I get this person's number, and then we eventually stop talking. <laughs> oh no!
1: Well, maybe, maybe, uh, maybe at some point that'll change. But don't worry too much. You are set. You are like just almost eighteen, so you have a lot of time to figure that stuff out. And yeah. I think you know you should like. But when you've approached somebody to want to go on a date, and you have you had to come out about the Tourette's more openly when you wanted to be like, hey, want to hang out? Or has it been, like,
2: just the parties and then you start talking? Um, well, first, I always make sure, like, I know the person, you know? I don't, like, putting myself in, like, potentially dangerous situations. So, like, yeah. I'm being like, hey, by the way, I'm gay. By the way, I'm trans. By the way, I'm disabled, which always pushes people off. <laughs> <laughs> um, but if they stick through that part, then I'll get to know the person because it's more the fact of, I don't want to get emotionally attached to someone and then find out that they in some part, then they just like suck in some way.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, totally. For sure. Um, just for fun, who's your like current gay crush right now? Honestly, I don't totally have one. What? Shocker. (laughs) Okay. Um, that's cool I mean I have a ton I could think of like five people right now that I'm like yep that one yep that one <laughs> I, have, I have a ton but that's cool um tell me a little bit about your experiences other than other than when you went with your with the other folks at Tourette's at the at the um ambassador thing in DC what are some of
2: the other reactions
1: to Tourette's that you wish people wouldn't do
2: Um, I think my worst one was um, I had a math class last year that completely sucked, by the way, because I had to retake the course, even though I already had the credit because they just didn't know where else to put me. Um, So I was just in that class pointlessly. It was so stupid. But that's besides the point. Um, The teacher wasn't the best person ever um, and would openly let people mock my tics during class. Come on. Are you serious? And... There was this one dude who would just randomly start whistling during class and it was only like a brief second or two which it wasn't a tune so he couldn't use that excuse but it's the fact of if someone um whistled in a specific way then i will almost always respond back
1: yeah and it's the fact that the teacher the teacher let him do that like ew how equalist yeah. like and it
2: completely sucked but it that happened for it was, it was a one semester class. So that happened for three, four months. And I didn't really care because to be honest with, with you in that class, most of my time was spent with both headphones in and I was playing video games on my phone or on my like Nintendo switch or something. Cause I didn't need to be there.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So um, you just, kinda, you just sort like,
2: of like, yeah. it wasn't a terrible experience because it didn't like actively affect me, you know? Um, but then that same summer, me, my sister, and two of our mutual friends went to go see that new Conjuring movie, uh, Con- The Conjuring, The Devil Made Me Do It. Yeah, I remember. Um, and guess who was behind us? No way. The guy that bullied you? The guy and his four friends. Oh, come on. And they, st- and they were whistling during the movie. Fuck off. Like, and st- exactly. And they started doing that to the point where, like, my sister yelled, okay, I- my sister is a little bit more assertive than I am. Um. She's, she's 16, but she's very much more, uh, she acts a little bit more mature in those situations than I do. Um, but she yelled at them. They didn't stop. So then I had to leave the movie and go get management.
1: Well, good for you. Did they get kicked out?
2: Um, security went and like, and said like, okay, and he, he pulls me aside and he goes, listen, there's 25 minutes of the movie left. I'm going to sit, he he goes, I'm going to sit in the back seat in the corner. If they do anything, I'm kicking them out immediately. I'm not giving them a refund. But if they don't, I can't do anything because I didn't see it. Yeah, yeah. And I was like, you know what? That's fine. I come back and my sister goes, oh, my God. You have no idea how many times I yelled at them and how loud I yelled at them. <laughs> okay. and, I'm like, and I'm like, okay, that's great. Thank you. Let's please watch the movie now. And thankfully, because of the security guard being there, nothing happened for the rest of the movie.
1: But, like, I can't, imam- I can't, like, I can't imagine going to a movie and having somebody... Openly mock me throughout a movie. Like I've gone to movies as a wheelchair user, and I've had people look at me and stare at me and act all act all funny when I want to, like when I have to ask a non-disabled person to leave the the wheelchair accompanying seat. eye they get all like uppity. But never throughout the whole movie has somebody like openly done that to me. And I think if somebody did that to me, I I would just be so like. How hard must it be for you to? like go to go to a public place knowing that people will stare knowing that somebody could make a joke about you like it's got to be it's got to just
2: be really hard it is very frustrating at times before i was like medicated on the correct medication i was taking a lot more and it was very apparent um and because of that there was a lot of places that i just didn't go to um i mean even now i refrain from different places i don't go to the library you know because i feel like people are there to study. I'm not going to go and be a disruption. Um, But like, I used to not go to the grocery store.
1: Wow. Just like just the grocery store.
2: Yeah. Like just there was places where I was like, I was so frustrated. And I was like, I don't want people to recognize me. I don't want people to uh, say, you know, like to call me out on it. I don't want people to think that I'm doing it on purpose. Um, Or I think my, like my worst one was I, again, the the cat call tick has gotten me in trouble countless times, but some dude thought my dad whistled it because again, pandemic masks. Yeah, he didn't see who whistled, and he starts yelling because he thought that you know someone was cat calling his girlfriend. Wow, wow! And so, how did your dad like handle that?
1: Did he just it like? Got-
2: it it was immediately like, it was very much deescalated. It's like, Hey, my kid, my, my kid's disabled. He can't control it. Sorry. And then that was the end of it and he was fine.
1: Yeah. Yeah. But I Wish- can imagine for you, like, even though it deescalated, I can imagine it's embarrassing for you to have, to yeah. have your parents be like, sorry, my disabled kid ticked. Like, sorry. Um. What are, you know, what are some of the, and one of the things you mentioned in your questionnaire is that you have coping, coping, mechanisms of management through music and song so i'm wondering like what is your favorite kind of music to help you cope when the ticks are
2: really bad so listening to music i have a specific playlist that is um i call it soft uh rock um but it's just like garage bands that i put on like a very low volume that they're very slow paced very just instrumental um and i find that either if it's i'm if i'm listening to music that is older so concert-based music or um specifically like the 80s rock genre I don't tick much if at all
1: cool because I love 80s music so like (laughs) who are we talking about here the bangles um
2: so I grew up on specifically uh like Def Leppard Molly Crew uh,
1: yeah there we go okay all right okay so like um pour some sugar on me yeah like yeah yeah I mean me I'm more like an 80s pop kid so like Cindy Lauper, um uh the bangles, yeah, all that kind of stuff.
2: Nice, yeah. And because of uh what I what I learned very quickly was um most people with Tourette's syndrome have at least a few activities they can do with minimal or no ticking whatsoever. Um, like you can do this activity for hours and it's per- and, and I and I won't tick. And it's the fact of if I'm singing or if I'm playing music, doesn't matter the instrument, I'm not ticking whatsoever.
1: Oh, nice. So like the 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 action of playing music or singing kind of takes your brain out of it yeah um, that's cool and I also love that you love 80s I love the, being so young you love it, like 80s rock because that's you know around the time when I was a young kid too and so like I grew up on all that stuff too so that's awesome um what is what I want to ask you is what is a common misconception of Tourette's that you want to dispel right now?
2: Um, Not all of us are swearing constantly. Not all of us are ticking constantly. Um, Not all of us can go, are, you know, having experiences where they're going their entire life with the exact same types of ticks with the exact same type of frequency. Um, You know, we're still capable of doing stuff. I'm currently working to become a mortician when I grow up. Well, hold on. (laughs)
1: <laughs> That's that wow, I did not expect. I expected like musician. I expected like, you know, like politician. I expected like some CEO of a cool like Tourette's advocacy group. Not mortician. Wow, uh, total total tangent here. But why do you want to be a mortician?
2: <laughs> so I started doing tax army a few years ago. There's some fun works that I have over here on the side. Um, and specifically, I started doing taxidermy because I just I love the idea of preserving the beauty of both life and death in one piece, you know. Yeah. Um, and I always enjoyed that. I started uh, very currently, and I've loved that. Um, and then my school has a medical academy where if oh. you do you do the four year course by the end of your last semester, you're doing an internship with a local like uh, medical facility.
1: This is some like six feet under shit right here. Is what this is, (laughs) um. Like, okay, all right, cool, cool. I could see you like starting a, starting a YouTube about being a mortician. There's some. I know there's some cool like YouTube channels out there where they talk about this stuff. So maybe that's a thing you could do. Awesome. I support this. Um, and I'm looking through my list, and I think we've. I think we have kind of gone through all the things I was going to
2: ask you about. Was there anything that you wanted to touch on that we didn't yet today? Um, I think one that we hadn't discussed is like um, public interaction in a positive way. Yeah, sure. How do we, how I can never we do that? Specifically, I never realized how many people would be like completely upset, uh, 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 like completely fine with it automatically.
1: That's great. That's really um, good.
2: I had a few teachers. Um, my freshman year, math, math, class as well as my sophomore year first semester math class I had this amazing amazing teacher who instead of you know would uh because teachers do two things one they try to ignore it um and they don't do so the best or two they're afraid to bring it up and never mention it whatsoever which I feel like is even worse because you're staring at this crazy pink elephant in the room and you're trying to close your eyes pretend that doesn't exist
1: yeah yeah exactly and I think when the teachers try to ignore it. Like I had not the same thing at all, but I had spasms because of my disability when I was in high school and I would jump and get scared by loud noises and I would have a spasm and the teachers would, they would, you, you could see that they wanted to be like, what's going on over here? And they wouldn't say anything because you could see they wanted to like intervene or understand, but didn't know what to do. So, So, you know, for me, it was always like trying really hard to not, have a stasm and i never really had any teachers that were like oh it's okay go ahead and have a stasm
2: yeah and this specific math teacher um was so fine with it to the point where maybe once every few weeks he'd ask me a question just out of curiosity and it's
1: it's kind of awesome because he wants to learn and it's showing that he's not being he's not trying to make an example of you he's not trying to to show you up in front of the class he just wants to understand so he yeah. can
2: better support you and i think that's really great and I, lo- and I especially loved how he was very careful about it so he would before asking any question be like hey can i ask you a question about so and so if not that's okay or like or we go on this whole tangent about how he didn't want to be rude and he didn't know how to ask which i absolutely like it's overkill but it's great because i know that you're being genu- like genuine um yeah but also only ask questions before class and Usually because of how passing period works, I only had to walk maybe a two minute walk and it's an eight minute passing period. So I'd be one of three kids in the room. And that's when he would ask questions because he was like, yeah, this is a comfortable enough space. There isn't many people like listening. So it's relatively okay.
1: That's cool. And can we give him a shout out? What was his name?
2: Uh, Mr. Cusick.
1: Mr. Cusick. We need more teachers like you who want to learn about how they can better better dismantle their ableism in the classroom and I think the way that you did that with Max was super awesome and I doubt you're going to listen to this but if ever you do um we need more teachers like you because I think all teachers who have disabled teens or kids in their classroom they all have some ableism to work through and and the more we can give them the tools to do that the better that was great wow (laughs) Um, so Mr. Cusick you're cool uh Max Charney, this was really fun. Um, uh, is there anything else you want to tell the people about how, how awesome you are?
2: Um, well, I think I am a pretty cool person, but...
1: <laughs> I think you're pretty cool too, so... so. Past,
2: past publish. Um, th- this, this is going to be happening before uh, this recording comes out, but a um, little bit of a fun promo of uh, Tourette Syndrome Awareness Month is from May 15th to uh, June 15th. Oh, good. Okay. Um, and specifically because of that, um, I will be in Minneapolis uh, May 13th through 15th at a national convention for the Tourette Association of America.
1: That's really cool. Well, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to move up the recording date because I didn't know that it was Tourette's, <laughs> Tourette's Awareness Month it, but from May 15th to June 15th. So I'm going to be, I'm the boss of the show and I can. T- <laughs> I have decided that I'm going to move it up. so. So everyone listening will hear this during 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 Tourette's Awareness Month, which is awesome.
2: That'd be so cool. Thank you.
1: <laughs> and that's what we're going to do. Uh, and that way, when I listen back and I wonder when I'm going to air this, I'll know that it has to be right now. Um, <laughs> so editing, Andrew, make sure you put it on the right date. Uh, but Max, this is so fun. And thank you for spending some time with me today and teaching us about Tourette's and talking about all your identities and how you live with them and how just I think I just think it's so cool that you're so young and so passionate because like I said when I was 17 I didn't have an advocacy bone in my body and I was a bit selfish and so to see someone (laughs) like you who's wanting to wanting to kind of change the world at such a young age is really awesome and really important.
2: Thank you so much it is fantastic to hear that um especially just hearing that from you know in my perspective it's the idea of like I'm still relatively I'm 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 considered young there's not I don't have that much life experience but hearing so many older people you know praise me for what I'm doing or I've had multiple people be like oh um you know you you speak words beyond your years has always been uh, strange but also amazing to hear in some ways you know if that makes sense
1: (laughs) yeah no you really uh, just from talking with you and seeing how like how composed and how like professional you are at 17. I was not that person. <laughs> so like, <laughs> I I think, you know, and being able to talk so eloquently about disability and about your experiences and about like, and then about trans issues at such a young age is just, I think really important. And I think you are an example of the cool, queer, disabled folks of tomorrow and, I was really, I'm, was really excited to have you here. My last question for you that I had a few minutes ago, and I, I want to ask it before I forget. My last question that I have for you is, what is one of your favorite parts of, of
2: having Tourette's syndrome? It's the community. Um, because of my ambassadorship and because of just how many people I've met, um, I have friends in over 15 different uh, states. Cool. Um, we, okay. So, uh, a follow-up question
1: which state in the usa have you not visited yet that you really
2: want to i really really want to go to michigan specifically because where my father's family from is from and we just haven't been able to visit yet
1: i've never been there but i hear interesting things about michigan i can't say good or bad i just hear interesting things
2: (laughs) a little bit of both in that group yeah totally
1: but max charney um thanks for coming on today. How can the folks, if they want to follow you and support what you're doing, how can they support
2: you? Um, Well, I have an Instagram that's going to be max period underscore period C period underscore. Um, I know I just wanted to keep my basic name in there. Um, You can also follow me on my TikTok, which is Maximus dot or period T S. I post a relatively mostly advocacy content, as well as again, I am an average high schooler, so I still post just me being stupid sometimes.
1: I mean, I mean, sometimes you got to have that fun, silly content for sure. But I will make sure that all that stuff's in the show notes. And uh, thank you so much for your time and for coming on today. Thank you. It has been amazing talking to you. It was really fun and really and super informative. And I and I'm I definitely want to support your advocacy as it keeps going. Or if you become a cool like mortician um then that's cool too (laughs) okay we'll talk soon thanks so much for being here today thank you bye yay (laughs) yay so that was great that was real all right friends that's another episode of disability after dark in the books Thank you so much for making this episode comfy, cozy, and crippled and I hope you enjoyed sitting down with your favorite disabled person on the internet and talking all things disability. Thank you so much for being here. If you want to follow my work, you can head over to my website andrewgerza.com or you can follow me on Instagram and Twitter at andrewgerza1. If you want to be in the show, you can of course email us at disabilityafterdarkpod at gmail.com with your disability story. We'd love to hear from you. If you want to support Disability After Dark, you can go to patreon.com disabilityafterdark and pledge as little as $1 a month, up to $5 a month or more, or even a yearly amount if that works for your budget. We at Disability After Dark, me, really appreciate it. Thank you so much for supporting this show and Crippled Co. and all the things we do. And tune in next week when we shine a light on another Disability Story, right here on Disability After Dark. Bye, friends! Copyright notice. Disability After Dark was created, recorded, and produced by Cripple & Co. Productions and Andrew Gerza. Any and all use of materials, graphics, audio recordings, etc. cannot be used or distributed without express permission. If you would like to use an episode of the podcast or license an episode of the podcast on your website, please consider emailing Andrew Gerza and Crippling Co. Productions at disabilityafterdarkpod at gmail.com. Copyright 2022.